Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another episode of the Bobo and Flex show. This episode, we're continuing our previous conversation about race. There's actually no introduction for this episode because there's so much to unpack and cover. And I just want to dive right into it. So before we press play, Flex, you were talking about the personification of racism Mm -hmm. and how that intersects with activism and what it means to be a white ally and Mm -hmm. how white people tend to personify racism so that it's easier for them to understand and easier for them to can just to navigate as a whole Mm. do you want to elaborate on what you were saying because i want to i want to talk about cultural appropriation and the bitch with braids (laughs) i don't even know her name (laughs) but (laughs) let's get into that all right let me begin so i was talking to my white boyfriend about Mm. Just trying to get a perspective um, on how whiteness um, and white people intersect with the conversation about race and racism. And um, obviously, um, he is smart and intelligent, so we're able to have a very, like, rational conversation about it. I involve or I, like, inject the emotion and the irrationality so he can understand it better. And he kind of gives me a perspective on how the white people he knows view race and why he thinks there's a disconnect and so he said that he thinks that a lot of people not just white actually but people are looking for the magical enemy and that because let's use white people as an example because their their relationship to race is through theory they've had to use their imagination to conjure up what racism is And so through their imagination, they've created a magical enemy, somebody who has the characteristics of what they deem to be either like racist, homophobic, bigoted, or whatever. So they can use that as a benchmark or a litmus test for how they view and see racism in real Mm, life. So in your head, in your imagination, this magical enemy is obviously somebody who's really, really aggressive, outwardly racist, who probably has a Confederate flag, who says the N word proudly, um, and who probably has braids, you know, a white girl with braids, because obviously that's a really big one that we're always looking out for. That's the one. yeah, yeah. Make, definitely make sure you get the white girl with braids because she's up there with the lynchers and the mass murderers of um, uh, and the white supremacists. And so when you've conjured up this, um, and I, I don't, I don't think we neither in this conversation, neither my boyfriend or I were thinking that people were looking for an actual magical enemy. But definitely, when you're bookmarking and stockpiling characteristics of what you deem to be racist, it kind of puts together a personified idea. 
And so that means, and what I find is that when people are encountering racism in quote unquote real life, it's kind of hard to process in contrast to this person you've made up that personifies what you think racism might be. I don't know if that girl's racist. Like, yeah, she said the N word, but she's also not doing blackface. So I kind of can't comprehend. Therefore, probably not racist. But then in the conversation about, I think in the last maybe two, three, four years, the way we've kind of made the conversation about racism accessible is through the lens of cultural appropriation. It's entry level, it's watered down, it's diluted, it's inoffensive, it's just an easy chit chat. And people have used that as the foundation and basis of their conversation for racism. So you'll figure and you'll find that people are more than happy to get fired up, just absolutely mad about a white girl or a non-black girl in braids because we've we've made the mental um like the mental uh what's the word looking for we've kind of made like the mental acknowledgement that like non-black person in braids is offensive therefore racist but somehow we haven't managed to make like make it make sense with other more obvious quite harmful views of racism and somebody made a really great post in our facebook group that sums it up Mm. perfectly and this was about two weeks ago and they basically said that the lack of discourse in our uh, wait, the lack of discourse surrounding the recent shift in our political climate and George Floyd in this group tells me all I need to know about the kind of racial is- issues you love to focus on. You had a whole thread, and mind you, there's been more than one fr- thread, and had words on words to speak about a white woman with purple braids and acted like it's the dawn of oppression and she needs to be castrated for it. But why are you so silent? when human life is the topic. And for context, for those of you who don't know, there were a lot of threads in our group about an Australian fitness influencer who um, was doing a campaign for the launch or a collaboration of like a fitness, uh, I think she was doing fitness clothes outfits. What do you call fitness outfits? Active yeah, wear. like that's active it. wear. Yeah, that's <laughs> fitness the one. outfits. Active wear. Um, and then in this campaign video, she was posing in her active wear, and she had two um big cornrows on using purple extensions. And so this person said, "Why are you so silent when human life is the topic? Is it because you don't have a chance to show off as a white savior who performatively understands the intricacies of microaggressions?" Is your privilege too confronted right now? What the fuck is a hairstyle when the real conversations we evidently need to have are surrounding unpacking your privilege and how to use your voice in tough times like these? Why are you only vocal when it's such useless and redundant situations, but when it's a situation that exposes your privilege head on, you're all of a sudden mute? Why? (laughs) My predominantly black friends on socials are probably getting tired of seeing me post about this every second. Yours probably have no idea what's going on or have not seen one singular post. Here's your chance. Why are you not speaking up? Where are the layers? And look, I'm not here to point fingers. Sometimes I am, but I don't think today's the day. I think (laughs) if we go back to the point of the magical enemy, I definitely think that in in a lot of our... uh, we know that our brain can't tell the difference between reality and imagination, which means mm-hmm. that your brain has no agenda on how it processes information. You have the agenda, yeah. right? Your brain really? just processes, 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 parks the information in your subconscious not mind, brings it up when it's relevant, puts it away when it's irrelevant. Which means that somewhere, somehow, we have conflated racism with braids so heavily that when we are looking at people getting shot, 
It's just not sensational enough. Yeah. But the braids no, really that's hit That's the one. Nerve. Yeah. <laughs> that's the... Bitch. I think it's... I think it's because white people can't imagine shooting a black, but they're like, oh, shit. Like, I could have worn braids, but I mm. didn't. And mm. you did. Like, mm. braids are more accessible than a gun. Yeah. And that's why the modern-day personification of Jim mm. Crow... Yeah, is Gwyneth it's just a white girl in braids. It's just Gwyneth Paltrow in braids, like <laughs> that is. And we have to I remember said, that what? this isn't new. Like white people have been using symbols to mm. personify racism. So before you had Jim Crow, you've had Uncle Tom. Now you have. It's just late stage capitalism intersecting mm-hmm. with race. So the modern day personification of Jim Crow is literally Gwyneth Paltrow in Conroe's. That's <laughs> because they cannot they cannot fathom that in 2020 someone is getting lynched. Like that's too yeah. it's too much of a hyperbole. Like it's just too far fetched. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, literally, meanwhile, niggas are still getting lynched. Still, still getting lynched. And Bobo and I have said on many occasions, like, fuck the braids. Like, I just don't need another DM of a a non-black influencer in braids with dots. I don't care. Literally. Let the bitch wear braids. Like, (laughs) like, honestly, I'm at this point where I'm going to give her the extensions. (laughs) Let me give you the connect on hair, sis. What color do you want? I'll do the braids for you. (laughs) Literally, you want bounty twists? Yes. Bitch, I'll give you beads. Let's go. Like, let's go. Wear your fucking braids so that we can talk about black genocide. (laughs) No, I agree entirely. And I think I said this in a previous episode. I couldn't give two fucks about cultural appropriation. And there's two reasons for that. The first is because I'm South African. Mm. And I don't... No, let me talk about this from the lens of a continental African. I don't think cultural appropriation is a continental African problem. Yeah. And this these are like the little nuances of race that like it's really hard for white people to grasp. So the reason why cultural appropriation is offensive to the black diaspora outside of Africa is because those are the people who were ripped from their con- from their home place from their hometowns, from their cultures, and forced to be slaves in a foreign land. Like, black Americans were ripped from West Africa, taken from their culture, they were stripped of their entire identity, and forced into a new land. So that's just the context for understanding why it's offensive. So imagine now, everything has been taken from you, and now people are trying to take your hairstyle. Like that, that is why it's important. As a continental African, I was not stripped from my homeland. Like my culture was not taken from me. As much as white people have colonized us and have enslaved us, I still have a culture to attach to. So a white person wearing braids does not hold the same gravitas to me. It's just not my fight. For that reason, I really don't, like, I don't have the range to talk about it because I cannot relate to someone who is dealing with the internal trauma and dissonance of existing 
in a home space that is not your home while having been stripped of your entire identity and now having white people take one more thing to monetize over. Like, that's not my struggle. Like, that's, like, as a continental African, it is not my struggle. And I can't relate. And I also just think it's so banal. Like, I literally... Fam, people are dying. Kim, people are dying. <laughs> Damn. And, and see, similarly, I... There was one point where I felt emboldened to have the conversation about cultural appropriation because from an Australian lens, it's really where you have to start. I mean... Mm, Why is that? We're at this point... Because if we're going to use the the excuse I often hear is like, I didn't grow up around, you know, minorities, so therefore it's not second nature. Fine. Like, let's not um, debate people for their lack of proactive learning. That's not what we're here to do. (laughs) But I will say that cultural appropriation was such an accessible conversation topic because it was happening. Everybody was doing it. And so you had very easy access points to have that conversation. Like you go to a festival, you see that headdress, you see those braids, you see that sari, you see that kip out. Like this is what we're talking about. It wasn't some imaginary, like, you know, let's wait until we see some like black guy get choked out by the cops conversation. It's like, no, 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 it's all here. It's accessible. And the idea, at least I thought in the very early stages, I'm like, fuck, if people really get cultural appropriation, it just provides such a more um uh, like a, a more uh a stronger foundation to have more intense conversation you know mm. what i mean like if you can fathom how this is offensive then maybe you'll get why the n-word's offensive and then maybe you'll understand why you know certain people can't wear their natural hair to work and then maybe you'll, like we could get there the thing is we started and stopped at cultural appropriation like we just it felt it feels like instead of developing one's understanding for race people just double triple quadruple down on cultural appropriation right right like when i tell you it's so entry level it's the abcs you know it's like yeah pulling up to a boardroom boardroom and saying hey everyone so do you know that c comes after b but before d oh you oh you did no but no no but like no no but in 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 the greek alphabet um that's what that shit sounds like like it sounds like you're really reaching and like no no but like c is meant to come you know before before d and you know in the Ghanaian alphabet there's no c it doesn't doesn't, babes like we understand the braids (laughs) if i could see just as many people get hype get just get hype Mm. over like how race impacts the kinds of jobs you're able to do can you imagine hype than i see you people get like over like a girl wearing ultra dark bondi sands literally (laughs) ultra dark bondi sands and the braids that that's the one (laughs) for 10 days straight (laughs) that's and you'll notice that like there's barely any black people like we're be we're beyond that, beloved. I'm above that now. <laughs> it's, I'm it's, above it. It's all above us now. Like it's just it's it's not it. And then also what I find to be very interesting is that we can say like obviously there are, there are people a lot of people in the group, so you can assume that not everybody sees everything. That's just a fact, right? Yeah, yeah. But in this thread, there's 
ample time. Like you've been given a, like a, you've been given the mic to kind of defend yourself because we, there's a, there's clearly a black girl saying, Hey, like I'm not seeing why you're not popping off about actual real life, like detrimental racism, right, yeah. but you only pop off about braids. What is that about? And do you know what it is? What it's were the quiet. responses? So obviously the majority of likes, the, the likes are popping off. The, the post was of a course. lot of likes, but the actual <laughs> responses was from people of color being like, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. T. Loud. It's very loud. And then obviously I would say there's maybe like one, two, I'd say 20% of the responses are from white people trying to um, provide some insight as to like their responses to each, mm. each thing. And the majority of it is apologies, which I think it's neither here nor there. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that like people need to like air themselves out and be like, this is what I did. And I apologize. Yeah. But I wonder if people think the message is for them. Like if you are someone reading it, knowing that you've been popping off about, you know, some chick in Australia wearing braids for a fitness campaign. Can you compute that that's what really gets you riled up instead of actual racism? (laughs) <laughs> interesting that's and I such a actual, good question yeah i say actual racism because like i've lived my whole life being hyper like it's let's say i'm saying let's say actual racism because let's call it the active most, racism active yes yeah for the most part i know there's a lot of people of color who are just like so desensitized to microaggressions and like shit like yeah. this because that's their their day-to-day yeah. How are you going to tell someone who's been dealing with microaggressions from their employees, their friends, their partners, you know, their whole life, and now you want them to get hype over this small, small? Literally. It's not in their vocab right now. So you don't, yeah, I, there's no emotional space. I wonder, like, <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're someone who got angry at that girl wearing braids, could you see that post and be like, oh, yeah, I forgot to get mad at. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. I wonder why that is. But no, everyone just likes and scrolls past and then tags their friends and, so, and everyone's like, oh my God, yeah, true, true, true. Like, what do you mean? Um, I want to, let me find a really, someone made a, what'd they say? Um, no, actually, I won't even do this because I feel like if people want to see the, fre- the thread, they can see the thread. But I just think it's, it's very, very interesting. And... I just don't have the energy, like no, if, literally. Just as you said, like people are actually dying. Yeah, like, like when people are dying. If if this was like small, small. If everything else was chill. If the if we weren't want like if we weren't dealing with like police brutality, intergenerational trauma, being like <laughs> pushed out of like you know certain workspaces for just existing. Yeah. If that all wasn't happening, then yes, let's double down on the girls wearing braids. But yeah. is this really what's happening? And then like I see, I I was full. I went to go um see what was happening on this actual girl's page right after she'd been called out so many times. Yeah. And you know what's been happening now? What what's happening? Sis who got called out is now posting dumb shit like, oh you know um she posted a picture of like different colored band aids. You know like like fair skin, really fair skin, medium skin, tan skin, dark skin, very dark. And was like, you know what? I saw this um, picture and then that really made me understand racism because, you know, like if I go to my, I will beat you. If I go to my local pharmacy, 
I can only see the really fair band-aids and like you can't get the dark band-aids which like really makes you think is see is this the, the activism you are after after <laughs> all the calling out the you know apologize to this do this don't wear braids reshoot your campaign now sis is on her 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 own story, talking about band-aids talking to millions of followers raising awareness about racism through band-aids is this your queen like is this your <laughs> is this your king is this what you fought for now let's have a, a conversation about um how we can utilize our critical thinking skills when it comes to assessing um dismantling racism basically Ooh, so last, i love it let's do it last week alexis ohanian which is, is serena that? williams husband okay and <laughs> Serena Williams' husband and a co-founder of Reddit. I had to prioritize because <laughs> Serena Williams' husband first, co-founder of Reddit second. He basically posted a very brief statement to say that he was stepping down as the co-founder of Reddit and um, and basically encouraging or forcing. I mean, I don't know what the terms were. Basically saying that he's stepping down so they would hire a black person. Interesting. That's, look, I don't. Let's not discuss that right now because I feel like there's. It's going to take a few weeks to see what will happen and how that will unfold. Mm. I think it could go. It could go one of two ways. Yeah. You could hire a black person who is just a vehicle of white supremacy. Literally, you're going to hire Diddy. <laughs> you're literally going to hire Diddy <laughs> to or, coon. You could hire, you know, a black person who's well-rounded and then, you know, they're going to be um, ridiculed for being in the, that being a diversity hire, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like, which is, you know... Anyway, yeah, no, we'll literally, dis- yeah. We'll discuss that when both. we've got yeah. more to discuss. But basically, um, today, um, the... Uh, let me actually... Let me pull it up because I don't want to butcher it. Um... Okay, so Adam Rappaport, he, I mean, was, is the editor-in-chief of Bon Appetit, which is a cooking magazine, a YouTube show, you know Bon Appetit, right? Yeah, it's very white, very cooking. (laughs) So he posted today and said, I'm stepping down as editor-in-chief of Bon Appetit to reflect on the work that I need to do as a human being and to allow Bon Appetit to get to a better place. From an ill, from an extremely ill-conceived Halloween costume 16 years ago to my blind spots as an editor, I've not championed an inclusive vision. And ultimately, it's been at the expense of Bon Appetit and its staff, as well as our readers. They all deserve better. The staff has been working hard to evolve the brand in a positive, more diverse direction. I will do all I can to support that work, but I'm not the one to lead that work. I'm deeply sorry, blah, 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 blah. So you read that, right? And the comments are like, and the first before the the post had been simmering everyone's like why are you doing that like blah 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 what's happening and then the other people were like we're so proud of you for stepping down and doing what needs to be done now you can read that and be like wow progress this is so amazing like he's stepping down yeah and i was like let me do some research because who steps down because they did blackface 16 years ago Mm. like is that really what we're stepping down for? Yeah, like, no. Because I'm about to quit all my jobs. Anyway, so I do. I go. I jump on Twitter, do some research. Mm-mm, it's deeper than that. It's way deeper. Oh my so, god! Spill the tea immediately. Solar 
who's probably one of the only, yeah, probably the only front facing like people of color, a brown woman. Um, made a post. Oh, I saw that on Instagram story, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, well, this is gonna be good. Let's get in. Let's get into it. So she says she's angry and disgusted by the photo of the editor in chief in brown face, and she had asked for his resignation. You see the difference I... between somebody. Wow. Let's. We don't know why Alexis Reddit did it, right? Yeah. But on face value, we can see the difference between stepping down proactively and saying, let me just step down and do what needs to be done mm. versus being asked to resign yeah. by one of the only front-facing brown people in your company. And then you wow. coming on Instagram being like, I've chosen to resign and step down. Yeah, to, to make yourself to ch- seem to make like the, the savior. Better. <laughs> anyway. She continues to say, this is a symptom of the systematic racism that runs rampant within the whole Condé Nast as a whole. I've been at Bon Appetit for 10 months. I'm 35 years old and have over 15 years of professional experience. Listen closely, everyone. Mm. 10 months she's been at Bon Appetit. 35 years old. Has more than 15 years of professional experience. Tell me why she was hired as an assistant editor. What do you mean? 50 thousand dollars a year to assist mostly white editors with significantly less experience than her she's been pushed in front of video she didn't want to do that shit as a display of diversity in reality currently only white edit white editors are paid for their video appearances none of the people of color have been compensated i demand not only the resignation of um adam but also to see um people of color given fair titles fair salaries and compensation for their video appearances let's talk about it let's talk about it i so am screaming what we mean by progress versus symbols of progress mm. i know for a fact i don't want to leave with suspicion all the time but these spidey senses be tingling yeah because i was like why is this why is this man rushing to quit for what just say wow. you're gonna em- employ some people a little like in internal xyz no well, now we because see you were out it on multiple levels when we talk about systematic racism and systematic oppression i feel like people think that means there are a lot of racist people in an institution no no oh, no that means even if there weren't any racist present yeah even if there was zero racist by the present, virtue of the system these things would have happened yeah right so you're telling me we have a whole a whole team a whole staff everyone's inclusive editor-in-chief did brown face black face 16 years ago no biggie we live we learn we grow we, we evolve it's whatever now you mean to tell me you've hired a person with t- over 15 years of experience at fifty thousand dollars a year to assist mostly white editors to be on video, they not only get paid for their jobs as editors, but they get paid to also be on video. And this woman with more experience and the people that she's assisting is now being pushed onto video without pay. And you want to tell me that you're resigning to do what? Nah. No, we're Just not buying say it. you were outed and you have to go. And I also, now, he still does not care and does not get it he still does not care he still does not get it please yeah go on i have some thoughts Mm. now this is what i mean by 
we've seen a lot of like I stand with people of color. I stand with I I I pledge to I vow. No, to. bitch, you don't stand with anyone. And then if we if we take an Instagram post and we shift it slightly to the left, what's left behind is a system. There and years go. and years of practices that continue to minimal, minimize and marginalize people of color. Yeah. And you mean to tell me that now we should be excited because people are making pledges? Are you mad? How do you make a pledge on Monday to stand behind your people of color? And then on Tuesday, we now hear that there are, there are clear pay disparities. Listen, listen. Make it make sense. I'm waiting. And this is the thing, right? I think I'm really glad you brought this up. I was actually talking about this on my story today. I think it's it's the difference between active racism and passive racism. So where active racism is something that you do with intent, I think white people need to understand that passive racism is a product of white people's freedom. I was talking today on my story about freedom and basically just talking about how freedom is inherently oppressive because i was talking about like what would be my dream utopia and the first thing i said is that if i were to be the dictator of a country right now there would be no such thing as liberty because one of the reasons why america and the entire western world at large will never have any type of systemic equality is because capitalism and democracy both require everyone to have liberty, but they don't acknowledge that one person's liberty is another person's oppression. And the thing about racial justice is that we'll just never achieve it under capitalism because capitalism is white people's religion that we've all been forced into. And under capitalism, like white people's freedom will always be black people's oppression because their freedom is embedded inside the inherently racist systemic structure of capitalism. And like, I think like that understanding will give people a better idea of why we always differentiate between symbols of progress versus actual progress. Because actual progress is dismantling the system entirely. Like there's, there's, there is no other racial justice. There's no racial equality except for abolition. Like everything else is a scam. It is just a symbol of success. It's a symbol of progress. It's a scam. Don't post your apology pretending that that's your progress when you have not dismantled the systemic indifferent, the, the systemic oppression that is inside your company. Like you, you've done nothing. So now, now that Alexis is stepping down, he hasn't dismantled any of the systemic structures of Reddit. What has he actually done? Like, what, what does that do? What does that do but make him just look like a white savior? And that's another, like, that's why, like, that's why symbols of progress are so dangerous. Because not only do they do nothing for us, all they do is strengthen white supremacy. Like when you as a white person virtue signal anti-blackness without dismantling your inherent anti-blackness, all you're doing is strengthening white supremacy. 
you're setting us back even more with your ver- like what wow that's my crackhead rant for the day <laughs> look i'm about i'm about 30 conversations away from mirroring that perspective i'm still a bit more hopeful i just look <laughs> i just um in the nicest way possible i mm. just want all of us to do some more thinking because yeah i'm in this position where i feel as though i'm like a detective mm. but unlike detectives who are trained for years to be in that position i'm just doing two googles two googles and seeing the opposite of whatever statement's been had you know what i'm saying like I'm, I was seeing a lot of pats on the back for Adam yeah. for mirroring what Alexis had done. And I was like, let me just, let me not even, it wasn't even a dig. Let me light, lightly scrape the surface and see what can be found. And what do we have? Interesting. Very interesting. And I think it's like, um, I don't know. I just, it's, mm, I don't even know what it is. I just think it's it's all very interesting and I'm weary of the mass apologies happening now. Like the Oh, mass- I'm so weary. <laughs> I just know it's a scam. This is how they <laughs> pacify us. This is how, this is their pathetic attempt to pacify. Like, and we I refuse. Just, I refuse. It's, it's really interesting timing. I'm yeah, I'm just I just a bit skeptical but yes like i mentioned last episode i just love seeing everybody getting getting outed and called out for just this is the thing i don't think that people are unable to change that's not what we're saying here i don't think that people can say the n-word yesterday and have a revelation today that's completely possible and it happens this is just a fact let's not mince words what i think is really interesting though is seeing the rate of people wanting to okay not okay number one the rate of ceos founders co-founders stepping down Mm. from executive positions that's crazy i've seen it with shop bando dolls kill there's pressure there burn up a right like uh, what are you stepping down for what are you stepping because nothing will change nothing will change what are you doing i'm seeing a lot of um influencers jump the gun and be like hey i just want to quickly point out that like yeah a couple a couple years ago like i might have done something but like i'm not doing that shit anymore i'm like okay cool 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 relax relax (laughs) why are you so tense around us now honestly but have you noticed that in real life too Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be walking outside and white people are incredible. So, this is what my life is usually when I'm walking outside. Usually I'll walk outside, it's white women staring at me, and I hate being stared at. Like, it's actually one of my pet peeves. Because I don't know, like, are you staring at me because you like my shoes or because you want me out the country? Like, why are you staring at me? It's people running up to me and putting their hands in my hair without my permission it's being followed around the store now i was crossing the street these two white girls ran over to be like oh my god i love your outfit you look so cute i was like nah something (laughs) is amiss i was inside whole foods and no one followed me like not a single (laughs) the shoppers they were so pleasant they're like do you need any help can we get you and like they usually just follow me around like 
I'm gonna rob them. Like, I'm not gonna steal your fucking $2 lemongrass. Relax. It is... Something is... Um, I feel like they're just like, the niggers are planning something. <laughs> I literally, like, at the Caucasian headquarters, they're just like, the niggers are planning something. <laughs> because Focus just... on their frequency. The yeah, literally. Their frequency. They're like, that's the... That bitch... She's the one. Keep an eye on her. Yeah, like, white people have been eerily nice to me lately. And I'm just like, what is going on? Like, what's happening now? It's it's fascinating. Did you see No Name's tweet? Briefly through your page, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I want to know your thoughts. So basically... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. No name tweeted. She said, new white followers, please unfollow me if you are not willing to provide resources, financial or otherwise, for the material needs of black people in our continued fight for liberation. This includes the inevitable seizure of your family's estate and any other remaining assets. <laughs> I literally, I screamed. I literally... And you know, she wasn't even saying in She jest. was nothing no she was she said it with her full chest so Mm. then i asked on my story i was like do you think this is a reasonable ask uh 70 percent of people said yes 30 percent of people said no what do you think do you think it's reasonable to ask people to ask white people listen open your purse (laughs) open your bitch open your purse Uh, i mean it's reasonable i'm not doing it i've look I'm yeah. not asking, I don't ask people for anything, period. That's not yeah. what I'm on. Yeah. But especially in this time, like I'm getting it's a lot of my, it's a lot of my, it's my first day not being racist, be nice to me. Hey, I'm like, dead. you said, you said this about white people, but I actually bought Reflex. So, and like, I'm my, my stance doesn't change based <laughs> yeah. on who. I'm a talk, all I want about white people, my white boyfriend 30 centimeters away and he will also listen yeah (laughs) like Like the energy doesn't change based on the audience not at all yeah but also yeah i'm not in the business of like look the reason why i personally want reparations is because i'm outnumbered where i'm at sis (laughs) (laughs) i am crying i'm I'm in the bunker (laughs) you know what i thought it was really interesting I think this would have been a reasonable ask like 30 years ago. But I honestly (laughs) think white millennials are the new slaves. Like I think white millennials are are house niggers. I think it was Charles Bukowski who said that slavery never ended. It was just extended to include all the races. And I think, yeah, a bar. I think what baby boomers did... Is they said, okay, no, we don't have enough blacks um, to maintain the slavery. So now we have to include the next oh. generation of white people. 
Yeah. yeah. So I okay. literally think that white millennials are the are the house niggers of society. So they really, like I think that. yeah, and I think cuz my boyfriend was asking me the other day. He was like, "Why do you think so many white people suddenly care about black lives?" Like, what? And I think it's Great corona. Question. I think it's corona. I think <laughs> corona woke corona people ran the fuck up. So yeah. We could walk. Literally. <laughs> That bitch made some points. Miss mm. Roni? Miss Ronissimo? I see you. You made some points. Do you remember when the first like first week of Corona was like, fuck, black people are immune to this shit. Yeah. It's not hitting them. Literally. <laughs> that was debunked before a second there. I was like, and and so it was written. <laughs> and so it was written. Yeah, I think Corona woke people the fuck up. Mm. I think Corona made white people understand that they are not immune to the slavery of capitalism. Mm. It made them they it made them face systemic suffering for the first time like wait you mean you're going to tell me what I can and can't do cuz whiteness has never had limitations it's always just existed unbounded and miss roni came and said bitch no more miss mm. roni gave white people a treatment of what it's like to be a nigger it just gave white people a small taster of what it's like to be a nigger and i think post roni we're just more on the same frequency like we understand the human condition a little bit more because white people have experienced just a glimpse of the black experience through corona like that feeling of people crossing the street when they see you white people never had to experience that but now that everyone has the plague you see someone and they cross the street when they <laughs> see yeah <laughs> literally <laughs> for someone to tell you that they can't treat you at a hospital mm. why people have never had to experience that's been our experience like there's so many little systemic experiences that were previously just secluded just for black people and now white people have been invited to the slavery game and now they're realizing oh no 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 this is a class war like i feel like once we're done fighting over racism i want everyone to text me because i'm ready for the class war like mm. which is why i think it's kind but of I mean, just like a layers cuz once we once we tackle racism towards black people what about the other minorities we're like well, hold on <laughs> hold on <laughs> what do you mean and then it's like well think about it like at the mm. moment we've reached boiling point when it comes to racism towards black people, right? right. Like yeah. it's now at the point where it's like, oh, okay. Like it's gotten that serious that like even the skeptics were like, okay, this shit, this shit's real. Wait until like people were so, um, so confused by the xenophobia Corona course. Mm. It was so like, un, un, like it was unheard of people being racist to Asians, like in a really, really like vitriolic sense. Yeah. Before it was microaggressions and often ones that were quite favorable. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like you must be smart. (laughs) Ha ha. Like, so I think we're getting to the point where it's like, whoa, we can get to a point where people like outwardly are like refusing to serve, you know, people like Asian people. We're getting to the point where people aren't like no longer going to 
Chinese restaurants, Japanese restaurants during coronavirus because, oh no, we don't want to get the disease. Yeah. That was new, new. You yeah. know what I mean? That was new. So we're seeing the levels of how racism isn't just a black people thing. And that's what yeah. also I feel like is clicking for a lot of people. Like yeah. racism isn't just for black people. Yeah. And like your time will come. Oh, <laughs> like, it will come, babe. It's coming. It will. But that, that's, uh, this is what late, late stage capitalism has evolved past the need for racism. Because you don't need racism to enslave when you can use capitalism. Period. And that's why late stage capitalism will destroy itself because the numbers will outweigh the one. Like, when white people join the fight for liberation, it's now a class war. Like, we're now ready for a class war. Like, when white people, black people, age, like, all the races realize that actually racism is just a byproduct of capitalism, then we're, like, now we're speaking. Like, now now we'll get some shit done. Now we're chit-chatting. Yeah. Hey, did you see that um, last week, or however many weeks ago when this goes out into the universe, maybe two weeks, um, The Help was the most viewed... I saw that. ...anything on Netflix for that entire week. What are your now, thoughts on that? You must like let's all get don't get it twisted. Netflix gets stats. Netflix, you know when like a, a video on YouTube gets like a few a few million, that's crazy. Yeah. Netflix's worst show will get a few million. So if a show is number one billion, you must know that like it must be getting hundreds and hundreds of millions. But yeah. for those of you who don't know what the help is about, <laughs> let's get into it. The help is basically about like uh, it's like a, it's like a recount of the story of like this, like this white woman. I think Emma, is it Emma? Some I don't know. Emma Stone. I think that was her. That's not Harry Potter. This other one. Mm. Anyway, about Emma Stone. She's a young journalist um, who basically uh, starts to develop a relationship with these two black maids, and in, a, in, a, in like an attempt to be seen as like a legitimate journalist or a writer, she decides to write this book from the perspective or the point of view of those maids trying to expose the racism they face um, when working for white families. Interesting. So I've never watched it. I've watched the trailer, but I don't like, anytime I see some kind of like black, like white savior, black, I'm not doing like, I'm doing, not doing any of those fucking like Julia Roberts type save black <laughs> basketball play, player. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing fucking Django Unchained. I'm not yeah. doing that shit. I'm not doing blood. Nah, I'm not doing it. Yeah. No, I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Panther. you on that. Black Panther was a narrative I could connect with, but lo and behold, that's a mythical fucking place. Literally. You know? Literally. So I can't lean too heavily into that. But basically... Everybody, like, the critique about The Help has been, it's common. Everybody knows why that movie is just not, it's not it. But it's very interesting that in this time where people have felt, like, empowered and emboldened to start educating themselves about the Black experience, you go and watch a movie about a white person recounting the Black experience. Mm. Why don't you just go to the Black source? Literally, literally. And especially in a movie like The Help. And it's like, the it was the same criticism with like The Green Book. You know what I mean? Where it's 
typical white savior narrative Mm. it's always there's a white character who saves the person of color from their troubles and it's the troubles that the person of color couldn't save themselves from and the person of color was always going to be in that like that manky place and they could never get out but thank goodness that white person came through like to see the injustice and then picked you up from the ground that you were on and showed you the light and the issue is like sure those things could happen. Mm. But when you are recounting a, a a period of time, like this isn't a fictional, like a movie about a fictional time. It's a movie that's recounting the civil rights era. Interesting. Where in that time, it was black activists leading the fight to try and amplify black people. But they're going to center a white voice. But you're now going to tell these audiences that it was the white journalists going to the homes of white people with black slaves who were going above and beyond to amplify it. No, maybe don't do this. <laughs> and it's always, it's always trying to find a way to soften the blow of racism. Like, don't worry that they were segregating people by color and telling you, you couldn't ride buses, couldn't drink from certain taps, couldn't go to school, couldn't get an education, couldn't vote. Don't worry about all that legitimate stuff that happened. Let's create a fictional story where some white woman went to some white person's house to talk I'm to their two scre- black no, maids. I'm actually to, screaming. What are you, why <laughs> must we do loops like this? I am and actually And you know screaming. people don't fact check. You know they're not still going to be like, thank goodness of those white people who really like were f- like, you know, leading the change and stepping up. Oh, wow. No, but that but that's also how history, racial history is presented to white people like Mm. if you read any especially in america like but even in south africa every time i talk about like there's been so many times when i've been annoyed talking about like black liberation movements in south africa and someone will always be like yeah but you guys had so many white allies excuse me where excuse me we liberated ourselves. Like, do not, don't start with me. But yeah, no, literally, the way that like history is presented in textbooks is like, well, slavery was bad, but then Lincoln, Lincoln fixed it. And then segregation was also bad. But then MLK just went on this walk and he like fixed racism. And then white people came and the end. Like, the way that, like, black history is presented, they always center the white savior. And I just don't understand it. And, see, over the past few... Well, the past forever, I do a lot of my learning from reading essays, right? Like, Mm. either I go on Twitter, read a few threads, get taken to an essay that somebody has spent time to read, it's peer-reviewed, Wow, I should start doing that. (laughs) It's fun. It helps you kind of like, you know, see both sides or different sides to an argument. Mm. But what I think is really interesting about movies like The Help or any kind of white savior narrative is that, let's talk about The Help, for instance, because when I was watching um, a few like uh, YouTube critiques about it, a point, a really interesting point that was made is that it's worse than the typical white savior film because 
it gave the impl- it gave the implication that the main character is being brave or like groundbreaking mm. just by merely socializing with black people. Wow. You know what I mean? It wasn't you weren't like putting wow. your body in between a black body and stopping a bullet. Yeah. Merely having a chit chat is revolutionary. You know? wow. And if people are using that as their education point, you know, you might you might recognize that it's from a different time, but clearly you might watch that film and use that as a basis for your activism day to day, right? What kind of messages Don't do you send it. to viewers? <laughs> yeah. That just your your willingness to befriend a black person is going to solve racism. Wow. We're past that. Like as as I yeah. mentioned in the last episode, not even an interracial relationship will absolve you from racism. Literally. I know. I not even adopting a black did you see nope. what madonna posted Ugh. i was going <laughs> to go and beat for her. racism <laughs> she really said david come dance for your people come shuck and jive for your people come end racism on my instagram she said, now. Now. i hate it why people need to stop adopting black kids but that's another episode <laughs> that's it so like and, and and this is the issue right because obviously like from my understanding a lot of non-black people are in the perspective like what can we do what can we do where can we go where can we go and i know that when you're reading an essay or listening to you know a political podcast or even like the fact that we've conflated race and politics but whatever a lot of this language can be inaccessible Mm. or it can feel like you have to listen with some um almost like with some a preconceived idea of the concept like you can't start from ground zero so people go let me go to something that's more accessible i'll go to a movie you know so you might watch the biopic you know you might watch a cute little doco right but something like the help which is promoted to be seen <laughs> as like hi- history historically accurate you know wow wow and then wow. this has been given a pat on the back merely by socializing with black people and then you bring that to 2020 people's like well i'm not just merely socializing i'm, I'm posting black a people. tile i fuck black people <laughs> I've got a black baby. Like, wow. <laughs> I yeah. post, I'm, I'm, I'm not here posting about it. I'm going above and beyond. It is not it. It is not it. It's and not it's it. And it's also like, it's, it kind of contradicts, it does not really, but it doesn't feed into the way that people perpetuate a racist system today. Like, mm. racism in, 1950 was so simple literally black is trash white is right like, that, <laughs> was it. that was as advanced as the argument got now in 2020 the argument is so nuanced and laid and yeah. the intersections are like there are plenty of them that if you're using such a basic binary reference for how to understand racism you are sorely missing that literally point. it's why i like to think of racism as a software and Ooh. every three months, it updates itself. It gets yeah, more intricate. Go. It gets more insidious. It gets more mm-hmm. complex. It gets more layered. Like, that's how we should be conceptualizing racism. As a software. Because that really is what it is. But yeah, like... And it is, yeah. because I, that's a really good point to make. Because I, I definitely think at one point, like, people... Uh, when people ask, like black people how to end racism right i think to myself if we knew don't you think we would have done this shit already and <laughs> there have been different touch points on how to end racism yeah okay we tried like merging interracial relationships didn't work okay we tried a- accumulating wealth right didn't work we tried accumulating fame didn't work we tried um academia didn't work okay we tried economics didn't work uh okay like 
this shit has been tried. Yeah. You know, yeah. we tried, you know, uh, um, you know, not leaning into stereotypes. Didn't work. <laughs> we tried straightening our hair. Didn't work. Yeah. We tried ac- adopting English as language. Didn't work. Spanish, French, didn't work. German, didn't work. Like, it has all been tried before. Mm. So I think it's really interesting that suddenly people think that black people will have, like, the magic cure. Like, you can tell us what to do. Mm-mm, we tried everything like every possible way well not only did we try they burnt <laughs> down every attempt that we've done like literally we that's the thing people are like no you guys black people need a lead we've had black liberation leaders and they were all shot by the government guys black people start your own communities we started our own communities and it was burnt down by white people like we have done or colonized either way yeah or colonized like and that's what, the way I see it. There is no liberation for black people under capitalism. There's no such thing as racial integration. There is just completely dismantling the system of capitalism entirely. White people need to opt out of whiteness. Black people need to opt out of blackness because even blackness is a white construct the notion of blackness was made up by white people to assert dominance. It's not ours. We've taken it and we've adopted it and we've internalized it. And in internalizing it, we perpetuate white supremacy. We all need to clock out of every single system and start anew. Like literally start anew. And I think as human beings, I think we're biologically driven to attach ourselves to things. We need to build new structures of identity. Like race is ghetto. Like the concept of race is a ghetto one. So we need to adopt a new structure of identity. Like we just have to, but it also just starts with like, we have to decolonize our imagination. Like people need to learn to think outside of the constructs of capitalism I did a whole story on like what is my ideal utopic society that dismantles capitalism and racism so I won't go into that here but it just starts with literally like these small steps which is like opting out of all the social contracts that we've made because really race is really just like social contracts like all of society is just social contracts just dismantle like abolish everything all of it and eat the rich like that's all we can do look people are struggling to see how (laughs) not saying the n-word is like a viable action literally like honestly the eat the rich as a concept like Mm. (laughs) like it's not I just don't understand. Like every day we're talking about braids, tanner and the N word and eat the rich. How <laughs> Do you think it's where? too complex or it's too it's far too, removed? It's too complex, requires too much effort. It's too far removed. It doesn't, it's hyperbolic in every sense of the word. Eat the rich is the same um, as, uh, uh, how do I explain it? Eat the rich kind of reminds me of like, um, <laughs> what would be a good example of it? Mm, like down Eat with the, the rich man. Is saying like period, 
like you say it so like not you but people say it so often that you're kind of like have, have we forgotten what the word means like mm. are we at this point of just repetition i don't think that i don't doubt that people have the ability to comprehend a lot of these a lot of these complex issues yeah half of them aren't that complex but the ones that are i don't believe that people don't have the range to mm. but i think we're like years away from like range being a mainstream access point really? i don't interesting i just don't think we're there yet. and the reason why i know we're not there yet is because everybody is surprised when your favorite retailer your favorite musician your favorite influencer is racist yeah why are yeah. you surprised that <laughs> I just know. tells me that you're not we're not seeing the same picture I can walk into a room, make a transaction with a brand I know is knowingly racist because this shit is not new to me. I've been new. Yeah. Because my mom been telling me, my family been telling me, I've been reading the news. Like, it's just not, this is not like, huh? I'm on Instagram right now. Everyone's like, oh my goodness, Zimmerman just got canceled because their their style guidelines for their retail girls, you, you know, super, bitch, what did you think? What did you think? I feel that, yeah. <laughs> like, so I just, if we're still in that position where everyone's like, oh, we've got to raise awareness because people don't know that racism is real. I don't, I don't trust that anybody is uh, has the range to elevate. Not even I have the range to eat the rich. I'm still trying to get by without being shot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't want to die tomorrow. <laughs> but that's the thing is, it's not we wake up tomorrow and we eat the rich. It's you wake up tomorrow and you ask yourself, who am I without my whiteness? Like, who am I without my black? Like, everyday interrogation until you realize that everything you've bought into is an illusion. Mm. I think the things that keep us perpetuating structures of oppression are our desires and our illusions. Like, every day we buy into markers of identity that were imposed onto us by white supremacists and we internalize them and we think they're real. Like, just interrogating, who am I without my womanhood? Who am I without my... Like, every time you interrogate an aspect of yourself, it falls away. And once you're left with nothing, you're then forced to rebuild something that is not an illusion. So it's not like, literally, we wake up tomorrow and we burn Jeff Bezos. Or maybe we can. But yeah, it's not that. But it literally, it just... This is basically spiritual warfare is what I I fundamentally think dismantling systems of oppression is a question of spiritual warfare as opposed to like actionable steps we can take right now. It's a just it's literally a question of unlearning, emptying your mind, everyday interrogating. But I guess the hard thing with that is like how many people have the emotional and intellectual space to be interrogating, you know? I'm just going to say a little to none. Because I yeah. know, like, we, uh, like, when I say we, I mean people who have access to this podcast. We live in a rewards-based society. Like, mm. from the moment that we're little, you get participation awards. Just for showing up to common school. Yeah, Somebody I know. <laughs> patting you on the back, acknowledging you, affirming you. Like, just the concept of education and institutions like just by showing up you get pat on the back can you imagine even if you fail or even if you fail or like bum your way through you're still acknowledged for being a graduate or a university attendee or something so i feel like so much of when 
so much of the conversation around abolishing racism is action without affirmation. Ooh. There will be no thank wait, you. Wait, wait, wait. Can you elaborate on that? Like, what do you mean the by affirmation? The fact is that, like, when we talk about abolishing racism, I feel like people have put it in their head that, like, if I do this thing, if I stand up to my racist coworker, I'm going to then tell somebody who is going to affirm me and then give me the strength it takes to do it again. There'll oh, be none you of that people shit. need incentives. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because everything else we do is incentivized, whether or not you realize it or not. Facts. You yeah. have incentive to, to shower, to wake up, to go to work, to make friends. All of these things have been incentivized to the point that you don't even realize you do that for um, for a reward. Yeah. Everything is transactional. People right. think I'm cra- crazy for saying so, but why do you think you no, got a way to do things you don't want to do? Because yeah. you know there is a perceived reward at the end of it. Right. There is no reward for abolishing racism because once that shit is dead in the ground, there's still work to be done. <laughs> like we mm. can't abolish. And then like the thing is, yeah the effects of racism are so insidious that like it's not even half of the shit is not even active so what makes yeah you think it's once it's passive, been abolished yeah. that it's just like we're suddenly gonna like going to rise from the ashes and just be this utopian state no sis <laughs> it's not the case and so i think what i'm noticing is that there's going to be a like a significant burnout from everybody trying so hard and feeling that they're not they're not being affirmed for the work that they're doing Mm. because like let's say black people right yeah nobody's affirming black people for staying alive despite racism yeah yeah nobody's (laughs) affirming black people for going to the same job that like it makes them feel like shit for just existing Mm. nobody's doing that it's just expected of them sorry you want to wear your hair that way like sorry you get ridiculed like it's not our fault we didn't we didn't make your hair that way you know and then so like in the same way we're not going to affirm common people for choosing not to say the n-word good next <laughs> yes and i feel like when when people start to notice all people who uphold white supremacy yeah when you start to notice that your journey of abolishing racism will just be a bunch of good next good continue <laughs> good and then when you realize that thank you is never coming <laughs> it's gonna be harder to continue no i absolutely but but this i absolutely agree with you but this is again why it's spiritual warfare. Like, because it's not that dismantling racism has no reward. It's that the reward of dismantling racism extends beyond our imagination. The very same imagination that was stripped from us by capitalism. So there isn't a, there's a reward. It's there. But what people, what people are conditioned to strive for is dopamine and that it's it's like what you're saying like people want gold stars along the ways but dopamine and rewards are two very different things Mm. and when we settle for dopamine we never get to the reward and which is why it needs to start right now with decolonizing your imagination like learning to imagine a world outside of the lens and the limitations of capitalism and white supremacy and patriarchy. Like it's, it's actually just a thought exercise. It's literally all of this shit is so mental. Like on a purely physical level, we could actually dismantle capitalism tomorrow, like on a purely physical level. But the reason we're not is because 
people's imaginations are still imprisoned by capitalism. Like they literally cannot mm. imagine a world outside of this, even despite the perceived rewards. And so, yeah, like people will always just settle for the dopamine rush. Someone actually asked me, yeah, a bunch of people, because I asked on my Instagram page, I was like, what do you want me and Flex to talk about today? A bunch of people had asked me to also ask you, what is your ideal society? Like, if you could just build a bear, like build a bear workshop, a society, like what would yours look like? I have no idea. Hmm. Because when I think about myself, I'm an individualist. I don't think about myself in context of any of society. <laughs> like, really? When Wait, I talk I'm about fast, abolishing, my mind is blown. Do you know what I mean? Like, when I talk about these concepts, they extend to like what I conceive reach access, and obviously that reach has been extended by the internet. You know what I mean? Okay. But like, as when I think about society, there's so many people I'm not even considering that to now build an ideal one for myself and everyone included. No, 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 not everyone. No, no. no. So my ideal society is for a hundred people. Like, there's no oh, more than like yeah, the hundred. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. Trump Ooh. is not invited to my society. But that's another thing. <laughs> I really like. I don't think human beings have the computing power to live in big cities like we're just not set yeah, up this that shit's way too much. yeah it's ghetto even like social media like what is this why do mm-hmm. we engage with hundreds of people a day like that is driving us Especially to despair strangers that's it's, shit yeah. i'm like what for it's why so unnatural I just know the people that i have to engage with literally <laughs> so yeah no like my utopia is limited to 100 people and you have to apply. There's none of that. I was born here, so I'm a citizen. No, no, no. <laughs> you have to apply to join and you have to apply mm. to stay. So, yeah, wow. if you had your 100 niggas. <laughs> 100 is how, too few. Really? Why do you think yeah, so? Yeah, too few. Just because that, like, when I think of 100, I think about, like, high school. Like, high school grades. Mm. And there was like a hundred people. And by when you finish the whole house, you're like, fuck these people. <laughs> like, <laughs> so but I remember like a hundred, I want mm, maybe a hundred thousand. Wow. Really? Cause we still need to build and grow. But remember are, people how, how are, how are people going to build a house? <laughs> <laughs> they are, you get 10 niggas to build one house. But cause remember people are inherently ungovernable. Hmm. How are you going to govern a hundred people? But you can't even govern a hundred. I told you, I've I mean, a hundred on Netflix and a hundred of these teenagers came to earth and immediately they tried anarchy. It didn't work. So they yeah. had to go to create hierarchy. Interesting. The issue is people. The issue is people. Do you think, do you think the human condition is just yeah. irredeemable? Like there's I mean, just like, should we all just like, should we I mean, all just, what is the human condition? Is, are we, are we just like mimicking each other's behaviors and then, and then calling that the norm? Like, who are we without the influence of other people around us? Bitch. I'm spiraling. I don't want a nap. <laughs> I don't want a nap. <laughs> no, I think the human condition or the way that I've conceptualized it, that's a really good question. The way that I've always conceptualized the human condition is like, what drives us to not kill ourselves? Like, what mm. are our innate motivations, desires, revolutionary drives? And for me, I think, like, what's at the heart of the human condition is just dissatisfaction. Like, 
The software that keeps the human race perpetuating itself is dissatisfaction. And I think that is why humans are ungovernable. Because even after, after we dismantle racism and we eat the rich and we've, we've just thrown all oppressive structures out the window, we'll realize that actually we're just irredeemable because we will always be dissatisfied. Because even like in satisfaction, there's an inherent dissatisfaction. Like you get your dream job next week. Mm you want the next dream job you fall in love tomorrow you're scared that you'll lose your man like the thing that drives us to progress is the very thing is the very same thing that's driven us to mass extinction so i think like yeah we're irredeemable but that's why i think a hundred people max is how much and i think like a good society should be driven by the knowledge that humans are trash like we're just perpetually dissatisfied and like once you take that into account you can like work around that you know <laughs> she said you know as if she didn't just like drop so many like i'm still processing I'm still <laughs> processing what you said from 14 minutes ago sis i'm dead <laughs> but we gotta finish up and go to our next episode i know i know too much. i know <laughs> well thank you for listening um what a fun episode this has been let us know what you guys think what is your dream utopia what is your dream society what do you think we need to do to dismantle racism do you think it's even worthwhile like should we be dismantling all these structures or are we wasting our time let us know please disclose your ethnicity when you answer that (laughs) literally (laughs) let us know in the facebook group on twitter on instagram let's continue the conversation and we'll catch you next time bye bye even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.